Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Don joined by Bick Nazar. Uh, Drancer will be back tomorrow. He's up in Penticton for the Young Stars. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the mobile Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, wind still blowing here out at, uh, at Northview Golf and Country Club. Uh, You're more worried about the Milford Charity Invitational. No, I'm fine because I'm well-prepared. I've got my hoodie. So I feel great. I'm just saying, but it's windy. I'm mind over matter. Things are like blowing around. Like tents are threatening to blow away here. It's uh, it's intense. I'm at, overcome uh, at the golf course. Mentally. I'm good. Okay, that's great. I'm on a sunny beach, just chilling. <laughs> I'm walking on lava. All right, uh, lots more to hot get coals to. Hot coals on lava. You can't walk on lava. I'm walking on hot coals. Why? I thought you were built different. I just misinterpreted my my visual exercise. <laughs> Uh, lots more to get to. We will. Uh, we are anticipating some more groups of Canucks players coming around uh, our section of the golf course here. So we should have some more players joining us tableside live uh, in a few minutes. But uh, before we got on the air today, we had the chance to chat with new Canucks defenseman Ian Cole. And uh, we'll play you back that now. And we started by asking Ian uh, how he's doing today. Doing well. We'll, uh, we'll see how I am after this round of golf. Uh, what's been the, the, the process getting used to uh, the, uh, the new city and uh, yeah. trying to integrate yourself with the uh, new new teammates as well? Yeah, no, I got here, uh, got here a little bit early. I uh, got to meet the guys, spend some time, get on the ice with them, uh, you know, a little bit more of a casual setting. Obviously, no coaches out there, so the boys can have a little bit of fun, which is great. Uh, but it's been it's been awesome. I mean, you know, we've uh, you know been playing for for a couple years now. Spent a lot of time here in Vancouver as a as a as a road player. Uh, but getting to be here and kind of really get to know the city a little bit, it's been it's been fantastic. You know, you you've played on uh, a, a fair number of different teams in your NHL career. What's that process like of just like adjusting to a new team, a new organization, and getting to know the players and trying to put yourself in a position to hit the ground running? Yeah, I mean, I think you just try to um, you know you just try to try to get along as best you can. I mean, you know, you have you know, I got my personality, I have, I have who I am as a as a player, as a person, and. Um, you know, uh, that, that tends to mesh well, and, and I think that, you know, you go in with an open mind, you try to assimilate as quickly as possible and, and, and get up to speed with, with the team culture and, and the team, um, uh, you know, their outlook. And, and I think right now we have a very hungry team who's looking to win hockey games, and, and uh, that's exactly how, well, what I want to do. So in, in that sense, we're, we're, we're right on the same page, which is, which is a great, great first step. You've played on some fantastic teams. You've some winning teams playing a big role in that. And we, we've talked about here, you know, standards and, and, and new habits that have developed for this team as they try, try to take the, this next step. What are some questions that the players have fielded your way, someone that's been through so much that you try to impart some things that, hey, the start's got to do this, just, just, just some things you've mentioned to them? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's not like a, uh, you know, a question and answer, sure, 20 yeah. questions as soon as you get here, but, 
Um, just some of the things we've talked about uh, very, very briefly is, you know, it's you know, everyone's talking about the start, the start, the start. And it seems like, now I haven't been here long, but it seems like that's been a topic of conversation for a couple years now. Uh, this is just me bringing the tea leaves, if you will. <laughs> you must have listened to our show for the yeah. last couple of years. <laughs> you know, I've been a big fan. You're, been a big fan. you're bang on about that. Yeah. I'll let you know. You're dead right about that. Um, and I think it's really easy to, you know, look at, quote, the start and, you know, the first 20 games this, right? Um, with a very a very macro view. Um, but I think the way that you successfully navigate that is you have a very micro view. You say, hey, this is what we need to get on the same page about in training camp. And it's always going to be a process. There's going to be ups, there's downs. There's going to be a, a learning curve. All that is accurate. But how do we get on the same page as fast as we can? And how do we just focus on game one? Win game one, get our game in order. And the quicker we can get our game in order, the quicker we can start winning hockey games and win hockey games consistently. And I think that for us, like that is what will be huge for camp, making sure those reads are crisp, uh, that everyone knows exactly what they're doing in every situation, and then focus on game one. Win game one, then win game two, then win game three. And don't think, oh, we need to go 15-5 and five in the first 20 games, right. or, oh, we lost the first two, now we need to win 13 out of 20. 15, like, it starts to get too convoluted at that point, right? Like, just win the next game. Just win the next shift, win the next period. And I think when you start to look at it uh, a little more micro, with a little more micro view of things, um, I think those things tend to kind of iron themselves out. we got a good hockey team. We can win hockey games. Um, and, and I think with that focus, like we'll, we'll put ourselves in a better spot. One of the things the head coach, Rick Talk, and I know he's talked about is embracing pressure, but also the way that you can think about pressure, deal with pressure, is through preparation, right? Making sure you're prepared, making sure you've taken care of everything you can control before you're going out there and playing the games. Is that something that some of the great teams that you've played on, the Stanley Cup winning teams, is that, does, does that sound familiar to you when you think back to you know Tampa last year, Pittsburgh in your career? Is that what they had in common, that level of preparation? Yes, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, there's a saying that, that when we talk about pressure always comes into my mind that I've heard. And, um, you know, it's that, it's that you, you feel pressure when you're unprepared for the task at hand, right? And I don't know who said it. I don't know, Yogi Berra, Mark Twain, whoever it was. Um, but it was, uh, you know, hey, Hershey, <laughs> we're trying to do an interview here. <laughs> he knows. Um, but, uh you know, pressure is what you feel when you're unprepared for the task at hand, right? And I think that the teams that have won know they can win, they have a confidence in that, and they know they're prepared, and that's what gives them the opportunity to be confident in that and say, hey, if we stick to our game plan, whatever ours is, and our process, which is what I mentioned earlier we want to establish during training camp, then we know that if we do that more times than not and we do that consistently, we will win more games than we lose, right? And, um, and I think that preparedness is something that it takes time it takes effort it takes work it takes a lot of um you know culture and chemistry and all those things absolutely um but that preparedness is what leads you to have confidence and uh and know that you can win um you know when 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 things get hairy or things get tough so um through these captain skates here, uh, what is something that you've picked up on players that you didn't know about before? You're like, hey, this guy does this, and I'm surprised he can do this or something like that. What's some things that you've picked up on? Yeah, well, there's a lot. You know, I think that, um, you know, as a player, as a defenseman, um, you know, you try to remember what guys do well throughout the league, yeah. right? Um, 
you know, you know, uh, you know, Bo Horvat on a two-on-one is coming down fake shot and snapping it over real quick. Right, does it all the time. He's one of the best at doing it. Um, obviously, he's not here. Connor Garland, right? Like, I think he's a great hockey player. I love him. I love the way he plays. He's one of the best guys at reading and some would call it cheating plays or, or reading plays or, 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 or cutting passes off. He's one of the best at it. And even in captain skates, he he reads guys really well, reads the defenseman really well on the forecheck. Um, and that's just one example. I mean, you can go down down the roster of things you of things you notice and of what guys are good at. And um, you know, like I said, I think we have a really good team here. I think we have a, an underrated team. I think we have the ability to make some noise. Hey, Ian, really appreciate the time. Best of luck on the course today. Yep. Thanks so much, guys. That is a new Canucks defenseman Ian Cole joining us a little bit earlier today before they got out on the course. And uh, this text comes in from Tavi. I know I say this about every new Canucks player when I hear an interview, but dang, Ian Cole sounds like a beauty. Huge locker room ad. And, yeah, really impressive, I thought, oh, yeah. perspective. And, I mean, you look through his resume in the NHL and, you know, the multiple Stanley Cups, but then also, you know, being a part of just some really good teams in recent years, Tampa, Carolina, Colorado, teams with really high expectations, the, you know, expecting to go in deep playoff runs before they get into the season. And you just hear the way he thinks about it, the way he talks about it. I, I was very, very impressed with Ian Cole. And, and even in his opening uh, media availability via Zoom, uh, first chance to connect with Ian Cole, yeah, you could see just how he sees the game, how he approaches it, and Joe from Langley say, hey, wow, what a breath of fresh air. Uh, well-spoken, and his approach to the game, very encouraging. And you know, I, I think we tend to view things from very myopic lens sometimes. You're like, this is the way the game is played. Well, there's different personalities that view it from different perspectives. Yeah. And here's a guy who's a defensive demon who sees it totally differently, and you can just see all the things that he was picking up on. Like Now, that's a, look, the, the, the Connor Garland thing, something I want to keep an eye on yeah. come uh, October 11th through the preseason. Be like, okay, here's someone that sees how Connor Garland does it. Uh, there's another uh, approach that you can uh, view the lens at. And so it's going to be interesting to pick the brain of uh, Ian Cole over the next uh Seven months. Yeah, I have a feeling he's going to be a, a go-to guy in the locker room oh, for yeah. the media. You know, especially when maybe when things aren't going so well, right? Get his perspective because I think you're going to get some candid thoughts uh, with a lot of perspective from Ian Cole. And, you know, we referenced him a little bit earlier in the show, but his thoughts on the topic of the starts, right? The good start. Can you get off to a good start? And I thought what really hit home for me was him talking about if you're looking at it as, okay, we have to go 15-5 and five, or whatever number you want to put in for the first 20 games, right? We have to be in a playoff spot after 20 games. Or, you know, we have to be at this points percentage after 20 games. That's a really tough way to think about it yeah. for a player going into it. And you're setting yourself up for failure at that point, right? So, you know, yeah, you have to – you want to be aware of the start, but you can't let it cloud what you're doing and then – cause you to not be prepared for you know game one game two for all the individual things that go into making up uh, a good start for the season and that's the ecosystem of the nhl right as we're talking about different perspectives you know a player is supposed to just kind of look at it and say who do we play tomorrow how do we beat these guys yeah it is supposed to be a bit more narrow-minded and just focus on what's ahead of you clear your your mind of all the other struggles and you know coaches take a maybe a, a 10 game sample size and one month sample size and managers take a year long sample size or maybe a couple of years sample size and they all have to fit in the ecosystem together to work to achieve this common goal and so it's interesting here there's a player that's coming through a lot of success yeah and a lot of different teams there's a perspective that i think players can look at and say okay you know what you're right like we all know that we have to have a good start and 
a good indicator that he mentioned. It's like, I've heard about the good starts there, uh, for, or the, the, how important the starts are. But you do kind of have to boil it down to hey, October 11th versus the Oilers. Yeah. Well, let's get this one right. And, look, if it goes wrong, it, it, it can go wrong. It's, it's on the spectrum of results. If it goes wrong, then we just got to focus on the next game versus the Oilers. And then the next one. Then if you blow it up, and it, honestly, it felt like that last year where when it was 05 and 2, it just felt like the task was so big. Yeah. And actually, more when it was like 03 and 1 or something like that, or 0 and 4, the task just felt so big that when, the th- when, when one thing went wrong, you could just see it on the faces. Like, this is huge. Like, are we ever going to win again? Forget even the next game. The next five, are we going? And it just—it's so tough to get back your legs back under you and, and, and claw back into the standings. And there was, you know, somewhat of an admirable effort, but it was—it was always hopeful, and it just never came about. Well, and I think the other thing, you know, the flip side of his answer was, if you okay, you don't look at it as we need to go fifteen and five, but also, you know, if you start zero and two, don't don't crumble, right? Yeah. Like, yeah guess what? Teams are going to lose two games in a row. If it happens to happen on your first two games of the season, you can't you can't let it be a self fulfilling prophecy of all. Oh, uh oh, here we go again. And you know, by the same token, if you win your first three games, that can't be mission accomplished either, right? Like, and and I think a big thing for me and this, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting about what Ian Cole had to say is just. Can it be less of a roller coaster, right? With with less of the downs, but also less of the, you know, oh my gosh, okay, we're so back. Well, we won a few games yeah. in a row, and we played a really good game against a really good team, and we are back. This is this is what it's going to be like. like. Just can you be level? Can you? And and I think that's what comes back to this this idea of preparation and just focusing on the next game, knowing who you are as a player, knowing who you are as a team, what style of hockey you want to play, so you're not constantly on these highs and lows dictated by your most recent result. I was looking at losing streaks over the last two seasons here recently, and you know the mark the way I always say is like, hey, good teams don't lose three in a row. Okay, they do happen, but I was just looking at three game losing streaks across the league, especially for non playoff teams. Over the last two years, the Canucks have had 15 yeah. three-game losing streaks or more. And that, like Columbus and San Jose had 18. Philadelphia had 15. This is the group that they've put themselves in with. Yep. And then also look at the lengths of the losing streak. Two years ago, it was three games, five games, four games, and then a bunch of three. Last year, it started with a seven, right? And, it's just, it's, and then you add in the totality of another four-gamer, another four-gamer, here's a three-gamer. It just makes it so difficult to have stable footing, and they end up having seven three-game losing streaks last last year, three or more. And that's the thing that this team has to nip in the bud. It's that number seven has to go down to yeah four, and don't yeah don't let it snowball, right? and don't let it get out of control. Everyone's going to lose games. Everyone's going to lose two games in a row, and don't four is it, not good. Like, yeah, I'm talking about four <laughs> three-game losing streaks. That's not even good. Yeah, but that number has to come down, and then it's about curtailing that to even hey, just two-game losing streaks. It has to end there, and when you lose two, our best effort has to follow that. We see the NFL is a, like an interesting example because you have six days between games, and it just becomes this huge thing of you live in the reality of a loss, and now you get your teams always give the best efforts after a loss. We haven't seen that in Vancouver for a couple of years, and to see four or five game losing streaks materialize and that pushback never comes back, that resolve, that's like that's the alarming stuff that that makes people skeptical about jumping in be like oh i'm ready to believe in the team again because you know if the bottom drops out you don't know how far the rabbit hole goes 
More Canucks interviews coming up here on Canucks Talk live from uh, Northview Golf and Country Club. Uh, earlier today, our own Randy Abjanda had a chance to catch up with Brock Besser one-on-one. Here is uh, Randy Abjanda with Canucks forward Brock Besser. Quinn mentioned that you and JT would have the best round, so uh, who's the winner of that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think Mills is playing today, so... I guess I'll, I'll win that match today. All right. Um, obviously, this is the unofficial kickoff to the season. Uh, just, you know, the mood around the guys in the last couple of days, last week or so at UBC, how's the feeling this year compared to last? I think it's good. Um, I've talked about how we, we've all gotten here early and we've gotten skates together, and I think that's going to help us a lot. Maybe we've uh, had some good skates just to get in shape and get ready for Talks Camp, and uh, we got our skate test out of the way yesterday, so... That's huge uh, just to go into camp and really focus on um, building chemistry with the guys and getting better. What kind of a camp do you expect from Rick? Not sure. <laughs> you know, I think he just mentioned last year uh, it's going to be a hardworking camp and we got to you know, push the pace and, and play with pace. So I can imagine that it's going to you know, be uh, you know, high tempo drills and, and obviously work on our systems too. I mean, I think the start's important. Um, we talked about our start last year. We got behind the eight ball, and, you know, those games are important. When you get behind the eight ball, it's hard to catch up in this league. So, um, you know, our start's big, and I, I think that's part of the reason why we got here early. Um, we want to be ready to go, and we know we need to be better at the start of the year. We've seen strong finishes turn into those starts before. Any lessons have you guys taken away from you finishing your strong and maybe the expectations get raised and it doesn't? I think there's a lot to learn from last year. Um, you know, we had that good finish with Bruce and came in, and we had the bad start. So I think, um, you know, I think we learned from it. That's why we, we got our, got here early and um, we're skating together. So. I just hope that you know, we, have, we have a good start, we have a good camp, and, and then we have a good start. How competitive is it going to be on the golf course today, Brock? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure, really. <laughs> I think I guess it just depends on your group and you know how many strokes people get. <laughs> I asked Quinn, I said, who's going to have a better round, you or JT? He says it's going to be between the two of you. He also said the Russians are going to struggle the most out there. How much fun do you guys have? Yeah, it's fun. Um, I, I put Hoglander in that group with the Russians. Uh, he's not a good golfer, so um, I think there's a few guys that... Um, you know, they, they're not the best golfers, but, you know, they come out here and have fun. I'm not sure if the guys asked you, but when we chatted with Rick, you talked about what he wanted for a training camp and how difficult it was going to be. What do you expect? And how do you look at a training camp and how being a veteran player? Yeah, um, we just covered it. I think uh, it's going to be high tempo. And, you know, he, he talks about pushing the pace a lot and playing fast. So I think uh, we're going to do drills based off that, work on some system stuff. And, you know, we need to have a good camp, obviously, to have a good start. There's been talk about uh, you lifting different this summer, and, you know, how how do you feel heading into this camp compared to previous years? Just physically? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just a switch-up that, you know, we've uh, we talked about the strength coaches at the end of last year, and um, it's nothing too crazy, but um, I, I feel good, and, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm moving well on the ice and skating well, so, um, you know, I'm just excited to get going. I've been, you know, itching for probably about a month now to, to get the season going and um, I'm excited to have this day today. Uh, that's Brock Besser meeting with the media earlier today. Not 
just Randeep Janda, as I said. Apologies to the rest of the media there in getting questions uh, uh, to Brock Besser. But, yeah, that was him speaking earlier today. It is Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. And Brock, I mean, it's such a fascinating position, I think, that he's in at this point because, yeah, we've been here before with Besser, right, where we all know what the talent is. We all know what he's capable of doing when he's at his best, and we're wondering how how consistently are we going to see it. And, you know, I think especially you look at this team this year, and it's funny because as much as we talk about the glut of wingers on the team, and that's certainly true, and we didn't really see that change over the summer like we thought it might. You know, we, we thought we might see some wingers moved out. It didn't really happen. I think there's also a question about, well, okay, it's one thing to have a lot of wingers, but how many of them are going to step up and produce, right? And I think Brock is still in a position where you know, could he find himself playing with Elias Pettersson? I don't think it's out of the question. Could mm-hmm. he find himself as the guy replacing Bo Horvat on power play one? I don't think that's out of the question. And I think he could find himself in a position to be very, very productive this year. And, you know, I know, you know, we'll get text, right, that people saying, like, oh, it's the same story every year. Why are you expecting to be different this year? All those things. But I still see a talented hockey player, and I think given the makeup of the roster, he's somebody who could – if things break right, and that's always it, right? If, if, if. But I could see him having a, a, a really good year if he gets in those positions to be productive in the lineup. He's he's kind of a fulcrum kind of winger in this lineup right now because you mentioned all these opportunities. They are all there for him, especially if someone like Kuzmenko regresses a little bit. What is Mikheyev's timeline? Is he back right away? Does his production take a slip because he's trying to get himself up to speed throughout the course of the season? And Brock's there. It's like, okay, you can swing up and go up the lineup and get these nice power play opportunities. But I've kind of been making this point recently that we are kind of like the the, the winger battle when it comes to Colton and, and Hoaglander. I feel like we've kind of set the bar a little low. It's the next step. they like, hey, you got to go be- beat out Tanner Pearson, Anthony Bovillier, mm-hmm. PDG. You can go beat these guys. But if you're those players, the reward for the club and for fans is go beat out Brock Besser. Like Vasily Podkolzin, we're talking about a very pedigreed pick here. Yeah. We're not talking about a second rounder. Like the person he should be trying to beat is Brock Besser. And if you land close to it, okay, that's a very big improvement and you probably get your second line role. But let's not pretend that there isn't an opportunity for those guys to jump Brock Besser because it's not as if all the people that complain in and saying like, hey, why do you guys expect this out of Brock and this? It's not as if those claims aren't valid. They're not unjustified. So the opportunity is there for put Coles in and Hoaglander to even jump that. It's a big jump, but what do you want and what do you expect out of qualified prospects? You want them to jump up the lineup. So Brock's spot right now is kind of tenuous. Now it's he's going to have a, a role, obviously, but he can go up. There's the opportunity that he goes down, and there's the opportunity that he stays in the middle, all under the scope of you have two years left on your contract. Mm. Let's not pretend that there wasn't op- or talks want and desire yeah. to try to solve the, the 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 situation and if you go into the season with just another same season and now you're one year left in your deal it's an interesting scenario that leads into next summer so yeah he's got to perform and if he does if he maintains the status quo then it's just another say okay this is what he is if, if he does what he's done before and then not not that it's not a qualified bona fide nhler to put up close to 60 points and yeah. do that 
but suddenly everyone's just going to look at it and say, okay, well now, now we've confirmed that this talk of all this potential, I think we can put that aside for a bit. It's tough, though, when you talk about, you know, Pud Colson or Hoaglander trying to jump somebody like Brock Besser in the pecking order. I mean, for as much frustration as there has been with Brock Besser, you mentioned it, like, look where his production ends up every year, right? And for silly Pod Colson, like, it's hard to produce at that Correct. level in the NHL. Correct. It's really, really hard, right? As much as you can be frustrated with some of the other things about Brock Bester's game, or you know, it hasn't developed like you thought it was, you thought it would. He still has that track record and a very consistent track record of, you know, at the end of the year, he's got a bunch of points next to his name, right? And that's hard to do. And I would, I still very much look at Brock Bester like if you're thinking. You know, who are the candidates to be this team's second best winger, right? I think we all expect Andre Kuzmenko to be the number one winger on this team. You know, probably a pretty good chance to start with Elias Pettersson. But, you know, the Pettersson-Kuzmenko-Mikheyev line, that was a Bruce Boudreau invention last year, right? I, I'm not sure or certain that that's going to carry on under Rick Tockett. Is there a spot open next to Pettersson and Kuzmenko? Could it be Pettersson with two different wingers and neither Kuzmenko or Mikheyev? And, if there's a spot open there, like who's going to be the other winger to claim that spot and really be like the team's second best, second most productive winger? I think Brock Besser has the best chance of any of the candidates. 650, 650, Ryan in Black Creek. More worried about Brock staying healthy than his consistency when in the lineup. He's a solid two-way player, but a perennial liability to get injured. Here's the thing. We haven't really seen him be a solid two-way player since the North Division year. Yeah, so like he's dash twenty last year. That's not a solid two way play. That was the and, biggest. That was the biggest flaw in his game. And, last year, and the was playmaking, the yeah, and the playmaking last year caught up late, but it wasn't really that consistent. And so that to me is the concern: is if he gets back, if he reestablishes where he was in the North Division year, then you say, okay, that's kind of exciting, because he was on the puck, recycling possession, getting in on the boards, winning puck battles. Hey, he was the team's best forward. He really was. He really was that season. Now, he's going to get back to that stage and then take a leap from there to when you really start to get excited about the player. But it looks like it's quite the leap just to get reclaim what it was like in the North Division year. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We will take a break. Uh, we're, we're expecting some more Canucks groups to come around the course here. So hopefully more Canucks interviews coming up. We are live at Northview Golf and Country Club. It is Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at dlbafc.com. Coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, mobile, portable Kintech Studio today. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. You can always be part of the show. 650, 650 into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd here with you on Canucks Talk live on location today at the Jake Milford Charity Invitational, the unofficial kickoff mm-hmm. to the NHL season, or at least the Canucks season, when players get to tee it up one last time. You get to put away all the summer blues of being on the golf course. Okay, we don't really want to be on the golf course uh, for most of the summer, but hey, one last time, the bags come out yep. before they have to do the heavy skates uh, getting ready for this week. And if you're also coming back, you're like, hey, the summer's over. I know today is the first unofficial day where, where really I'm, I'm back in it. 
I'm back in with the takes in the inbox, and and I want to I want to <laughs> soak in all the Canucks content. Uh, you can also subscribe to Canucks Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you grab your podcasts. Uh, drop that five star rating and a review as well. Canucks Talk, Canucks Central, Halford and Broth, People Show. Make sure you're subscribed to them all on your local podcatchers. Okay, a lot to get into. Uh, we'll talk to some more players that stroll on by here at uh, Northview. But uh, an article today over at The Athletic, as we're getting ready for you know season mm-hmm. previews and everything like that, uh, Dom Lushidzen putting out a, a, one of my favorite pieces of the year, uh, like a tiering yeah. of players. NHL players. Yeah. yeah. So this it, is the top 125 NHL players and putting them into tiers. It, it's not the traditional, hey, one through... 125. Just a group them as you wish. Yeah. Obviously, you can sit back and say, "Like, hey, Connor McDavid, he should be number one." Oh, he, he is. Guess what? He is. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? But it's. It, I I like the tiering exercise a lot more than the traditional just ranking. And you start to look at this and say, "Okay, where do the Canucks players at 125 across the league? How many Canucks players make the top 25 or 125?" And this is just skaters. Okay, so yeah. We're going to talk about this. Don't add us with, hey, where's Patrick Demko? It's it's just skaters, okay? Canucks end up with four in the top 125. Is that a good number? Is that what you'd expect? Did you want to see more? Who's gotten snubbed? We'll get into this all, but just to kind of frame this, Elias Pettersson winds up in the second tier as a franchise player. Quinn Hughes ends up in the... Tier three. Um, tier three. And sorry, I misspoke. They end up with three. Three. Sorry. Yes, I was going to say. Um, JT Miller was the third one. Ends up in tier four as a top-line player. And that's the last tier that they're talking about. Yep. Top 125, it, it gets categorized as your uh, franchise, all-star, and top-line player for the Canucks that make it into the list. The whole list is uh, includes MVP-level players uh, with headlined by your McDavid or your dry saddles and whatnot. So three players in the top 125. Good outcome? It's it's the expected outcome. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's what you want to be a Stanley Cup contending team, right? And I think if you look at some of the best teams in the league, now, look, you, you take, you put as much or as little stock into a list like this as you, as you want. Now, I will say... This, I, I think it's a good indicator. Yeah, because like the, the interesting are. thing about how they put this together, and this was Dom Lucision, and I believe Sean Gentilly, and Shana Goldman at The Athletic is... You know, Dom does a lot of the statistical work, publishes his model, which, you know, if you're a Canucks talk listener, you're very familiar with, uh, thanks to Durant, are bringing it up constantly. But then what they did this year with the list was, okay, let's use the stats to make a list. Then we're going to go talk to GMs. We're going to talk to scouts. We're going to talk to coaches and basically get their feedback. And so then they incorporate all that feedback and turn out this final list, right? So it's not just a statistical model here. It's also incorporating what people in the game have to say about the players. But whatever. I, I think it's a really interesting snapshot. I think overall, there's a lot of accuracy here. You know, you can quibble. I would have Quinn Hughes higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some of the commentary uh, about Quinn Hughes specifically from the people they talk to is maybe a little off, but whatever. I think if you look at it, you know, it, it does kind of clarify one of the big tasks for Canucks management, which is where are you going to find that next wave of impact players, of top 125, top 100 players to come in and supplement Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, right? Like, that's the separating factor right now between the Canucks and the teams they're trying to chase higher up in the standings. So just to compare it to some other teams, uh, again, we'll, we'll start on the high end and kind of work backwards here. Um, Vegas, 
lifted the Stanley Cup. How many guys did they have in this top 20 25, and where did they kind of tier? So Jack Eichel headlines their list, but he's yep. in tier two. He's a franchise player for them. They wind up having two in the all-star category. The Three in the all-star. Sorry, yeah, the third yeah. tier. It ends up being Stone, Petrangelo, and Shea Theodore. And then they have Jonathan Marchessault as well in the fourth tier. And you look at that and say, okay, that's about right. That There's five guys in this list. And then you go to um, Edmonton. It's the two primary guys who I've seen in the top tier. A tier skip there. And then it's Matias Ekholm, who's kind of the, you know, I was, I was, Intrigued to see the name there. I really like Matias Ekholm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the rest of the view, league viewed it as tier three. Um, and then it's like Evan Bouchard, Darnell Nurse made this list. I was a little surprised at that inclusion. Um, Zach Hyman. Yeah, Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins will make those. Those two make sense for me. Um, but just looking at like the inside the division comparables, okay, we're talking about you know six names from Edmonton, five for Vegas, or sorry, seven names for Edmonton, five for Vegas, and there's a Vancouver sitting at uh, three right now. Yeah, even L.A., right, had Drew Doughty in Tier 3 and then, like, a big chunk of players in Tier 4, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Fiala, Kopitar, Deneau, mm-hmm. Adrian Kempe, right? And again, I think that's a good way of looking at it is the Canucks have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, right? But those that, that group of players that I just rattled off, like Dubois, Fiala, Kopitar, Deneau, Kempe, they're not franchise players they're not mvp caliber players but they are good enough and they're viewed as good enough around the league to to slide into that tier four you know what would that be like between 70 the top 75 and top 125 players Mm -hmm. in the nhl the canucks the only rep they had in that part of the list was jt miller where are they going to find those other guys to kind of flesh out that that second tier of players where it's not your elias pettersons or not your not your quinn hughes but still really good core players. Now, I think a lot of Canucks fans will probably look at it and say, well, isn't that Andre Kuzmenko and Philip Ronick? Right? Like, that's Those the are the hope. two huge names that kind of stand out. Now, yeah. I understand it's only been a year. I was a little surprised to see Andre Kuzmenko's name not in there. Now, of 125, I can understand the argument that maybe he's 135. I get that. Um, but, the, you, like... Do I definitively know that next season I'd rather have um, Jordan Cairo over Andre Kuzmenko? Like, I don't know what definitively, but Cairo's just played more in the NHL than Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah. Ask me again in a year's time, we might be having a different conversation. But it's like that grouping of player, how many more can break into that tier and say, hey, this guy absolutely belongs in here? Like, Heronic's another name. If there's a step, Suddenly you're looking at it and saying, okay, this guy probably gets to hang around the Seth Joneses of the world yeah. who made this list. And you, just other defensemen of that ilk, like Noah Hannafin's in here. Darnell Nurse is the name I mentioned, right? It's, again, like I, I do think Darnell Nurse was a good player. I, just, I didn't think he was viewed as a bona fide top 100, top 125 D-man. Logs a lot of minutes, but let's not pretend that there haven't been issues there yeah. as well. And, and this just goes to show, like, the... the the talent pool of that that tier is rather robust, and so it just takes another good season for an Andre Kuzmenko, who, by the way, like you know, it's thirty nine goals for a guy who hadn't played NHL hockey, was apparently crushing waffles and Nutella, <laughs> and then suddenly, um, what is this awesome? What if that's what if that's what was giving him his skill though? The waffles and Nutella. Has anyone thought about that? It's a guy who crushes cereal. What's, every what's the risk? Yeah. <laughs> If I cut out Frosted Flakes in my diet, what's going to happen? What's going to gonna happen? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but let's just 
put it on spec, say, hey, a change in diet and dropping mm-hmm, 10 mm-hmm. pounds and suddenly more minutes. I was talking about this on Friday. Like, we're worried about the shooting uh, regression, yep. which is going to happen. You can't shoot 27.3 in the NHL with any sort of regularity. But ways to ward that off are, A, shooting more, but also just getting more minutes. Like, he did not play enough amongst the elite goal scorers that we saw. If he starts cresting 17 and a half minutes, 18 minutes regularly, something that he only clipped 22 times last year. It doesn't happen very often for Andre Kuzmenko. And his usage at times would be 12 minutes a night. And we'd sit there on the postgame show, and the next day, they will text him, like, does Tockett not like Andre Kuzmenko? Some of it might be fitness, and we know that like, hey, the, there's some extra work from Andre Kuzmenko during the course of the season. Well, some of that is already done, and he gets that role next to Elias Pettersson. Playing more minutes and being in defined role yeah. while you're regularly with Elias Pettersson, either on the power play or on five on five, I'm I'm less worried all of a sudden based on the production will look like the shooting percentage will regress but will the goal total regress well and also for me it's not so much just about his raw numbers but i mean how is his line doing out there on the ice yes, right? how, and like what are they consistently outscoring the opponent on a given basis and i got to say the it's fascinating that you bring up the minutes right because of course what happened when rick Tocket took over his minutes dropped mm-hmm. and it's going to be so interesting to see how rick Tocket uses him what kind of role he gives him and where he uses him in the lineup also because that was another thing that happened is yeah. Andre Guzmenko ended up playing a little bit farther down the lineup sometimes under Rick Tockett and you know I, I would still bet that he finds his way to Elias Pettersson's wing for, for the first night of the season just because they were so consistently successful and productive together but you never know right and that could be something that is uh, th- that's in question at least at training camp and it's going to be one of the things I'm really fascinated to watch uh, Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd here at the Jake Milford Charity Invitational as we love being here uh, to kick off the Canucks season and we get to chat with uh, Canucks players that get to stop on by. Joining us now, Canucks forward Dakota Joshua. How are you? Good. Doing well. It's uh, nice to be out here. Nice day. So uh, having fun on the golf course. How was the uh, summer for you? Oh, it was a good one. Obviously uh, a little bit longer than we wanted. Sure. but. Uh, <laughs> It was nice to to get that break and get a little time away from the game, and uh, now we're here we are right back in it. Uh, we heard a lot from Rick Tockett in the spring last year talking about he wanted all the players to have a big summer. So yeah. we, we've been asking everyone, did you yeah. have a big summer? I guess so. We'll find <laughs> out. We'll find out. I don't know uh, if um, you know it'll meet his standards of a big summer, but we're going to find out sure enough here going into training camp. But, no, I'm really happy with where I'm at and uh, excited to, uh, you know, get it going where I left off last year. So um, exciting year for me, for sure. You've lived in the city now for a year. You've, you know what it's like to, to start a season here. What's different about this start uh, than, than last year um, for you personally? It, for, for it being my second year, just the you know the emphasis and, and not going through what we went last uh, through last year with mm-hmm. the slow start, um, I think collectively as a group, um, that's one of our big goals is to, to get off on the right foot and, you know, not find ourselves trying to battle back the whole year, which eventually, you know, adds up um, to problems. So, um, no, just really excited to get it going with this group, and it's good energy and a, a good feeling heading into this year. The whole thing about, you know, the start and, and getting off to a good start, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. We were talking to Ian Cole earlier, and he said, you know, it, it was kind of funny. He said, you know, I'm kind of getting the sense that it's been a talking point around these parts <laughs> the last couple of years. So he said, yeah, you're right about that. But, I mean, 
How much do you guys talk about it just internally between yourselves? I know you've been skating out at UBC. Is it something that you guys acknowledge and talk about? Hey, we got we to gotta get off to a good start this year. Maybe, maybe not so much that's an everyday uh, conversation, but for sure it's it's definitely in the back of everybody's head. And uh, going through that last year was was tough for everybody. And so just knowing that we don't want to put ourselves in that spot. And uh, it's nice to have a, a clean slate, you know, starting off with that fresh record and then, We'll be ready to get it going right away. In, in your mind, and, and maybe for the, if you want to speak on on behalf of some of the other players, like what does a good start look like? Like what what steps in between outside of just results? Like what has to happen that that was different than previous? I, years? I would I would say you know everybody being on the same page is a, is a big thing. You know making sure that there's no gray areas and everybody knows their role right from right. day one, and so there's not as much guessing. You know from from the start, which seemed to to be the issue last year. So I think um, that that'll do. Um, play a big part in it, but just uh, having the guys in early, you know, getting uh, the fresh faces in here and, you know, getting them integrated into the group um, should go a long way, and uh, yeah, we're just going to leave it all out there and, and see how it plays out, but um, try not to bring it up as much in conversation. You know, you talked about uh, picking up where you left off last year, and, you know, really good individual season for you. You know, you, you cracked the double-digit mark for goals, 23 points on the year, what do you when you think about you know picking up where you left off but also growing as a player what are your goals individually for the for the upcoming season um i would say you know obviously you know numbers wise you just want to do better than the the previous year but uh a big thing for me was getting that first full season under my belt yeah. and, and playing in majority of the games. So now heading into this year, I feel a lot more confident and, like I said, comfortable um, to, to get it started and, once again, kind of know my role and my place on the team. So so it makes my job a lot easier, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Just kind of building off of that, just, just knowing that, hey, you're settled in the NHL for a whole year, mm-hmm. does it make coming to this camp like – a lot more confidence. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a, it's a night and day the confidence level that I had. You know, showing up, you don't know anybody. You're the new guy, so just coming in here and you know, you know, not having to find find the place, um, it, it makes the job a lot easier. And um, hopefully, we'll we'll see it in the results. You know, one of the things we've heard Rick talk at talk a lot about is some of the uh, the types of guys he wants on his team. Right, the yeah. wall guys, the guys yeah. who can make the plays on yeah. the wall, guys who can get inside, and you know. I think about your game and you know the element of size, but also yeah. the skill and the goal scoring touch. Do you do you hear that and think like, hey, those are some things I can do. Those are I I can see how I can fit into the style that this guy wants to play. For sure, for sure. And he you know in his short time here last year, he he made it known you know what he expects out of me personally, but everybody as a whole. And um, yeah, he likes my style of play, so it's it's very fitting for me to come in and once again know know my role, know what I'm supposed to do, and can help out both uh, being hard to play against and then. You know, do my do my part and chip in offensively when I can. Dakota, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you get back to your round, and right. uh, thanks for stopping by. We'll yeah. see you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing Dakota this. Joshua, Canucks forward, coming by our booth here, uh, Sportsnet 650, and the Canucks talk on location at the Jake Milford Charity Invitational. We'll talk to a couple more as they start to uh, stroll on by. We, we haven't uh, done any golf questions. I'm yeah, proud of just us, like man. the traditional. But I will say, I, I kind of want to ask them, like, how are you doing with the wind? Yeah, how, you have to adjust your game out here, man. This is a, these are t- this is like British Open conditions out here in Surrey. St. Andrews at Northview here. The wind is whipping, man. I'm looking at the the pin flag here, and it's like the the, the tree lines are definitely slanted. Oh yeah, yeah. 
tougher than I realized. Who's got the game? Who's got the crafty game to make their way around the course today? Who's playing the draw? That's right. Who's playing the wind? That's right. Uh, an interesting player. Uh, I, I like the the mentality because it, look, it's tough. Like I, I've always used the phrase, and I've heard it said to me to um, you know the stages for a player to get to the any pro league, any any sport. <clears throat> it's arrive, survive, and thrive. And so you did the arrive. Yeah. Okay. Now, look, Dakota Joshua played 42 games before arriving or before coming to Vancouver. So he did. He did the arrival part. Last year was kind of the survive. It's, yep. Hey, I can play in this league. I can. I can contribute. I can put up 20 plus points. I can earn another opportunity being in a big club. Now it's hey, kind of another year of survival. But it is there. The opportunity is there for him to uh, continue and continue that next step uh, in his career. Uh, let's keep talking to more Canucks that stop on by the booth here at uh, the Jake Milford Charity Invitational. Let's talk to Phil G. Steffi now, who joins us here. Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. We 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 wanted to ask: uh, Is the wind screwing up your 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 golf game at all? Cause for me specifically, it is. <laughs> it's, it's been tough out there for me, but uh, the sun's coming out, so I'm not so cold anymore. Who's uh, who, who's like the hot shot on the golf course on the team to watch out for? I mean, it's JT played in the U.S. Open. Trials, oh, that's right? fair. That's yeah, fair. Uh, I think uh, Mizey's pretty good. Red Best is pretty good. So Drizzy's good. Uh, I know Willanen could swing him too. So there's a lot of good players out here. Uh, what's the summer been like for you? It's been busy. Um, it was good, though. I spent it in Toronto. Uh, weather was good. Had some good training. Had a baby girl, so my Congrats. hands were full. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you know, you, you're coming into uh, another training camp here in this organization. And last you, you spent time in Abbotsford last year, but also came up and played and, you know, got a really good opportunity, especially under Rick Tockett when he took over. How does that opportunity and the success you had last year change your mentality and maybe change your confidence coming into this year's training camp? Uh, I think confidence is a big thing. Uh, obviously, you know, next year's my, or sorry, this year coming up is my 10th year. And um, that was probably the best opportunity I've had. So, um, just you know, whatever whatever I get this year, just just do the best I can and try to uh, try to replicate what I did last year and, and keep uh, keep uh, moving forward. I remember when we talked to you during the season, you had either just passed game two hundred or game two twenty or something like that, and you're kind of mentioning that that landmark. It's like okay, that that's a lot. Here you go, you're eight all of a sudden. Well, what's changed like mentality wise of how you know to go through the off season, and get ready for this? I think it's big. Obviously, there's things you learn along the way, just like any job. Um, you know, day-to-day, your mentality, what to expect in a season. There's always going to be highs and lows. So I think the biggest thing for me going my 10th year is just there's going to be great times. There's going to be hard times. Just trying to stay level-headed through it all. And, um, you know, like everyone's pretty sure around here is take things day by day. That's the easiest thing to do is just refocus. What do I got to do today? How do I get better? And then as you move forward, you build blocks throughout the year. You know, you mentioned take things day by day. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. We were talking about that earlier because it does seem like it's been such a roller coaster around the team the last couple seasons with some lows, but then also incredible win streaks. But is that a key, you know, not just for you individually, but for the team as a whole, right? Don't live and die by what the result was, whether it was good or bad from the last game. Just try to stay level and focus on what you have to do on a daily day, on a day-by-day basis. I think if you could have 21 guys to buy in, just the, the process of, you know, how do we get better today? I think it's tremendous for any organization, whether it's hockey, basketball, corporate world. Um, you just try to make the best of what you got for the day and um, if everyone's tugging on that rope together, you get uh, you get further. Uh, we were just talking to uh, 
uh, Dakota Joshua. And we kind of mentioned, like, last year we heard some buzz terms from Rick Tockett and wall guys and inside guys was a big one. When when you hear, hear that term, what was it that you saw last year that's like, okay, I can fit those roles, and, and are the things that you're looking at to do to evolve that this year? I think the biggest thing is just attention to details. You know, instead of worrying about scoring or points, I, for me personally, I find it easy. You know, you just every – Every face-off is a battle. Anytime there's a 50-50 puck, it's a battle. So it's a game of all these little battles. And um, I'm not a big analytic guy, but if you the team that wins most of those little battles, I think, come out on top. So um, I take all those little battles seriously, and they add up at the end of the game. So you mentioned, you know, you thought that was maybe one of the best opportunities that you had got in your NHL career last year after Tockett took over. What was it, do you think, that that uh, helped you achieve that opportunity with the team? Um, for me personally, I think there was a lot of patience involved. Obviously, I was with the organization the last two years, and uh, I got my first taste of putting on a Canucks sweater. So, um, you know, it's you appreciate the journey getting there. You don't take anything for granted, and... Uh, you got to go out there and earn it every day. So that's kind of the approach I took. Well, Phil, we really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and, and looking forward to seeing you at camp and everything else. Thank you, fellas. That's, Stay warm uh, out here. Yeah, it's Phil DiGiuseppe <laughs> who comes by the booth here uh, at the Jake Milford Charity Invitational uh, as we get uh, a chance to talk to some of the players uh, for the next uh, half hour here, and then we'll send you off to Penticton with Brendan Batchelor making the call here on our airways to the wrap-up of the Young Stars Classic. But hey, another interesting player that's going to be in that mix yep. of that winger battle, uh, two guys there, uh, Joshua and... Andy Giuseppe. It's going to be a fascinating battle, right? Because it's it's up and down the lineup. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were talking about, okay, who's going to play on that first line with Elias Pettersson? You go down, like, how many wingers have a settled spot in the lineup going into this training camp? One. Like, Andre Kuzmenko? Yeah. Really? I mean, Generally, everyone yeah. else, like, you could see, okay, where's Connor Garland going to play, right? Where's it, where does Ilya Mikheyev fit when he comes back and is ready to get going? You know, there's so many. It's not just who's going to make the roster coming out of training camp. That's going to be a big battle. Where do the coaching staff put them? Where do they? How, who finds those roles right off the bat? We know that Phil DiGiuseppe played a lot with JT Miller down the stretch, had success there. Talkett obviously liked his game a lot, liked that fit. That doesn't mean he's going to be gifted that spot coming out of training camp, though, right? He's going to have to fight for it. And basically every winger is in that position. They're going to have to fight for their spot in the lineup at a training camp. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd here on location at Northview for the Jake Milford Charity Invitational. We'll chat to a couple of more of the Canucks that stop on by. Uh, we'll try to hear some more audio as well. Uh, Quinn Hughes speaking to media earlier today. That's all in the way before we turn it over to Brendan Batchelor for the Young Stars Classic. Uh, it's coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Final segment of Canucks Talk, Talk here on Sportsnet 650, the home of the Canucks. Brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment be a champion on the work site find them together online at dleamc.com coming to you live from the traveling kintech studio kintech right. footwear and orthotics canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2500 five-star google reviews find your perfect fit at kintech.net we'll jump into the inbox here uh, in the final segment and uh, touch on some of your thoughts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Actually, Street. I, I, can I choose the first one? Yeah, well, can, right. can I finish the tag yeah, here? Sorry. Are you interrupting me because Drance is not here? You're just like, someone's got to do this. Yeah. 
Someone's got to get the show off the rails. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Bick Nazar filling in for Thomas Drance. We'll be back tomorrow. Drance is at Penticton. Yes. Young Stars Classic, which you'll hear coming up in 27 minutes here on our airwaves. Brendan Batchel will have the call for the final game of the Young Stars Classic. And Jamie Dodd, your regular host here on Canucks Talk. All right. You may All right. The oh, this, is a good, this is one of my favorite genres of question. Uh, Kurt from Ladner texted in earlier. He said, Boy, boys, here's a time filler question. Hey, we're not just filling time. We're, we're excited to talk about this, Kurt. It's day one. He says, the BC Lions. Let's say the BC Lions lose a wide receiver, running back, and quarterback to injuries and need replacements ASAP. What three Canucks players are you picking to fill these spots? Oh, so that's QB, an awesome question. Running back, wide receiver. Take three Canucks players. Running back into those spots, man. Okay, there's not really like the running, running back body type doesn't really exist in hockey. Yeah, yeah, we're talking like five ten to ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but I agree with Quinn Hughes. It's, it's like probably Quinn Hughes, and you're probably not running him between the tackles a lot. But especially in the CFL, know. you know, get he's him great vision. Get him involved in the he's passing got, game. He's got don't great you, timing and vision. Don't he, you think he, be able he to would be like great at catching passes out of the backfield? Yeah, like he would be an amazing third down back. Correct. Two-minute drill, you're plugging Quinn Hughes in there, Correct. for sure. I think wide receiver. How about Dakota Joshua? I, I, I was going to go quarterback, Elias Pettersson. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I want someone well. at least six foot. Yeah. And I want someone with good vision. Now, yeah. I don't know about Petey's arm. Well, you want, I, I, you want I, someone cerebral, right? Yeah, I've seen I've, I've seen him shoot a basketball. And I, like, I don't know if that translates to on the field. Um, I think JT Miller is the other option at... Uh, QB? Yeah, QB. Yeah, well, again, is, is, is he true... True, like six one, that we're like, hey, seeing over the the OL. His, his combine measurements are going to be big here. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit worried <laughs> about that. Plus, you know, you know, we always talk about how big are his hands. <laughs> you know, what we always talk about with QB, like temperament. <laughs> you want to be like the stable ship. When when things are going wrong, like everyone's looking at the QB. He would definitely have a little bit of the like Josh Allen Yolo thing going. <laughs> I was going to say more like the the Baker. Well, I'm going to toss it down here, see what happens. A wide receiver. I think Dakota Joshua. Yeah, that's a good like, one. Like, just, like, we're talking, like, measurements. I know you're a big, like, you're, you're, t- you're a big attributes guy when it comes to the NFL draft. Traits, yeah. Traits. Like, yeah. But, like, physical measurements, yeah. Six, like, 6'3", six, 206 yeah. for Dakota Joshua. That's, like, that's that's an outside receiver right there. See, yeah, you're going, like, prototype. I just want, like, I, I'm just thinking of who's the best receiver. It doesn't need to be, like, your classic X receiver, go win on the outside. Like, what about, like, Beauvillier or Hoaglander? Slot receiver? Ooh. I need to move the chains. Ooh, it's Ho- third and five. Yo. I need to get a conversion. Niels Hoaglander as a slot receiver. Ooh, as, like, the Wes Welker of the yes. Vancouver Canucks. That's what I'm saying. Just, like, option every, route, hitch route right every there. third and four, you're like, well, they're going to run the option route with Wes Welker, and they're going to pick How it up. How are you going to stop this? With Niels Hoaglander. How I like are you going to stop this? I like that a lot. That's a good call. And and maybe if you just want a little bit more burst, it's like, hey, maybe Beauvillier? But see, this is why I like Quinn Hughes as a third down back too, right? You flex him into the slot. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? It's like, all right, we're lined up. Hoaglander's in the slot. We know where it's going. And the Quinn Hughes motions. They're like, oh whoa, whoa, two way go, two way out for these guys. Like, what are we doing? We're getting so stretched out wide. I'm just telling you, put Quinn Hughes in Kyle Shanahan's offense. <laughs> it's over. It's over. What about Tyler Myers? Just like, hey. Well, somebody brought up Tyler texts in uh, Myers at wide receiver. And I mean, if you're just talking about like, okay, what's like, what's a way they can thrive? Yeah. You know, that's like, really, if it's a tight end, we're talking. Tyler Myers is a tight end. 
Yeah. If he's going to be his, but I don't want to match him up against like a five ten corner. Yeah. <laughs> get him on the outside in the red zone. Throw that fade. Throw it up where six only one, he can get it. Six one linebacker, six two safety. Yeah, you know, it can be a bit tougher. Can be a bit tougher. Uh, Jeremy and Langley says JT Miller was a linebacker growing up. Chuck him at running back. That's interesting. I, I would rather that. have JT at running back because because there's that like downhill. I can see truculence. That. Yep. Where he's just like you know what truculence. I'm I'm my contact balance is really good. Yeah. And if you're if you're coming downhill on me, I'm I'm putting a shoulder through you. I can see you that. You might tackle me, but I'm falling forward. <laughs> and I'm getting yeah. the, I'm getting that extra yard and a half that doesn't make a big deal now, but come fourth quarter, you go to make that tackle again, I'm putting that shoulder in, I keep my feet moving, suddenly that one yard gain turns into fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk from Ladner, that's the question. I'm telling you, that's why I wanted to get that one in, man. That's a good one. I ne- I never never get tired of doing the like, okay, take these athletes and put them into another sport. Hockey's the one that's it's difficult to, to cross. Uh, it is. And again, because... It. Well, the NFL's, like, football is so fascinating, too, because there are such different body types across Correct. the positions, right? Whereas in hockey, you tend to see more of one body type or a, just a handful, right, to really have success. Uh, Tyler also texts in Kuzmenko as a wide receiver. He has the spins, finds the soft spot. After the catch, Kuzmenko would be... And has the hands to catch a pass. I do like this point there about finding the soft spots in the zone. Correct. Right? Because, like, well, what did Kuzmenko do incredibly well last year? Yeah. Get open. Get open in the dangerous areas. That's a but, skill. But my worry would be too many spins as far as the timing of the play. It's like, you're, <laughs> you're late. It's like, yeah, you got open. But, the, like, I have two and a half seconds to get the ball out. I can't be waiting for you to make three spin moves in the middle of your route. It's an eight-yard hitch route, man. Just, just get to your spot and come back. I don't need the spins in between. Kuzmenko would be one of those wide receivers who, like, you know, his 40 time was disappointing at the combine. It's like, ah, I don't know about his measurables. But then, you like, you watch the tape. And it's like, he's always open. I don't know how he does it, but he's always open. He gets open. He just gets open. Yeah. Now, after the catch, he might be fascinating. <laughs> like, once the ball's in his hand. Yeah. It's like, we can't bring him down. <laughs> so slippery. Just slippery. Just spitting away from people. Anyways, fire question. Fire I, I can't even catch up with the other stuff I wanted to get in the inbox because it's all crossover Canucks to football stuff here. Um, Tyler texted in. A lot of Tyler texts. the same Tyler? No, nevertheless. Bigger battle, getting on the first line or third line or bottom pair D? 650-650. Bigger training camp battle. Well, now, the, the top line one is open because of the Mikheyev status. Yep. But in general, like, I do think it's going to be Ilya Mikheyev's. I, I do struggle this with it in general. Um, I don't like replacing players just because they got hurt. Yep. If they're the incumbent, kind of give them the shot. Now, if someone steps in, and because he's not ready to go full go, and someone like, really thrives. Like, if, if we start the season with Beauvillier, Pedersen, Kuzmenko, okay? And Beauvillier's point of game. Now, Beauvillier put up decent numbers here. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, hey, what if that's legit earlier with Akita Hirose? What if, like, what Beauvillier did was legit? And we see him have success. At that stage, McKayev comes back. It's like, okay, we don't really want to break this up. This is working right now. Even though you, when you played here, you had very good success. Not at 100%. And we, we want to deviate to the, the um, or sorry, deviate, uh, to defer to the incumbent. But... If Bovillier steps in and has success right away, it, it, it becomes difficult to break that up. I think Mikheyev is going to be fascinating when he comes back, too, because 
It's going to be really interesting to see who plays the harder minutes between JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. Because don't you kind of want to put Ilya Mikheyev with whoever's going to get the tougher minutes out of those two? You know what I mean? Because his calling card is defense, and he is so effective on that side of the puck. Like, if you're going to be using JT Miller as your hard match center against the other team's best lines consistently... I would be pretty tempted to give him Ilya Mikheyev to help with that role, right? right? It's still a top six opportunity with a really good offensive center for Ilya Mikheyev. It's not like you're punishing him or putting him in a position where he can't succeed offensively. But I would be very tempted um, to to use Ilya Mikheyev in that role because, I mean, let's say you are rolling Elias Pettersson out there with Andre Kuzmenko and Ilya Mikheyev. You know, Pettersson and Mikheyev, probably your two best defensive forwards. Correct. Right, so at that point, if you have your two best defensive forwards on a line, you kind of have to use that line in the toughest minutes because they're your two best defensive forwards. And there was some real synergy with how they traded off in the forecheck yep. that, again, I want to see it at full go for someone like Ilya Mikheyev. Just to see how they interplay off of each other, it was really, really fun. Because Pedersen's really great at being the safety and just saying, hey, when I'm ready to pounce, hey, speaking of mm. crossover. Uh, yes. <laughs> Like Pedersen had a great eye of Earl like Thomas when to yeah like when to go pounce on an opportunity and put yep. pressure on someone and say hey I'm going to create the loose puck I'm going to create you fumbling with the puck and now here comes Mikheyev the the, the second wave of pressure because Banco can win in that role as well just go cause some havoc along the wall that Pedersen shepherds guys over into bad areas and that timing of his is so great because here's Mikheyev putting pressure on. And he can just, like, they read off each other so well on the forecheck that I, I really want to see that. And if you want him to take that next step, that to me is, like, the most interesting bit of Pedersen is we haven't really seen it full time. This guy goes best on best all the time. Yeah. And and that's the stage when we're setting, like, goals for this guy. We said Brock Besser, hey, what can he do for this year? Heronic and these guys. You know, for me, like, a big step for Elias Pedersen is – you put yourself in a heart conversation. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Me, like, that to me is like the... If I'm Elias Patterson and we're sitting here all talking about what can Elias Patterson do this year, you go best on best and you still have a very productive season. Like, I'll take 80 points. I'll take 85 points. If you're routinely against best on best, like, I want to see, like, a top five heart nomination season from Elias Patterson this year. Yeah, and if you're going out there and winning those matchups consistently, right? I mean, that... You're absolutely right. And if that, you're doing it with, like, again, you're set up because you have a, a defensive running partner and an offensive running partner yep. because Manko. Suddenly, like, that's how you do it. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's what, that's my point about Mikheyev is yeah. if you do pair him with Elias Pettersson, you're putting him in a position to succeed in that role. So you better be trying him in that role, right? Because you are putting him in a real ideal position. Now, just of a texture's question about which is kind of the bigger training camp battle, yes. right? The first line or, or bottom pair D. I mean, I think the bottom pair D is the bigger battle because – there's going to be changes in the forward correct right like we're not even if it is you know even if Ilya Mikheyev is ready to go a couple games into the season and it's Pedersen, Kuzmenko and Mikheyev they're not going to play the next 80 games together right there's going to be injuries there's going to be times where talk it shuffles the lineup so it's not done coming out of training camp who gets to play in the first line and look I know there's going to be call-ups and stuff on the blue line so it's not done that way either but if you win the third pairing defenseman spot coming out of training camp you're probably going to get what a, you know 10 games or something out of right like they're not going to go away from it in 5 games so it has a little bit more permanence to it i think that one and i think that makes it the bigger battle the as far as like ranking them like i i'm less interested in the top line one just because 
there'll be hot streaks. I think it'll get rotated at some point. But yeah, it's going to change. Yeah, it's going to change. The, the the most important one might be the third D pairing, but I think the one that's the most intriguing is probably the middle wingers because if it means like that one to me explores an upside that we're not sure about. Like whoever wins the top line role, we know it's defined by Elias Patterson. Yep. Okay. Whoever wins the third pairing role, it's a role. The focus has been so much on defense and goals against. That's impacts how they play defensively. But who wins the middle winger spots? Like, what if it's put Colson? Suddenly, it's like, hey, this is a guy that was a lottery pick. What does it mean yeah. to have a lottery pick in a second line role? That's awesome. We were talking about like the top 125 players earlier. The tiering. Technically, if you're a second line lottery pick. You have a couple of good seasons. You're into this. Could you be in that conversation? A year yeah. from now, two years from now. Like, that's what we're talking about here. If Vasily Matkolzin wins a second-line role. So the upside and how it impacts wins is probably most intriguing in that camp battle. Yeah, I see what you mean, right? And again, it's just there's it, – it's it's intriguing just from an enter, entertainment perspective, too, because it is so wide open. Correct. When you're talking about yeah. the middle six. Like, there's <laughs> so many different permutations of – who could be playing alongside Pew Suter, let's say, as the third-line center, and, like, what could that line look like and how could they function? There's so many different ways it could go. It makes it really interesting because you have no idea, really, what it's going to look like coming uh, going into camp. Uh, let's wrap up a couple more questions here in the inbox while we have 10 minutes uh, before we wrap up Canucks Talk and send you over to Penticton with Brendan Batchelor making the call on the Canucks Young Stars Classic. Uh, this one, Chet and Burnaby in June. I bet uh, my dad, Hoaglander, breaks camp on a line with Pedersen. Woo! What kind of odds would Spicy. you put on that, Chet and Burnaby? I hope it wasn't even odds there. Like, uh, <laughs> breaks camp with a, on a line with Elias Pedersen. I don't know. 21 to 1? Yeah. I was going to say like 15 to yeah, 1. I was gonna, something it's, like that. It's, it's pretty high. Up it's long. I don't think it's impossible. Like I, I can see the path to it happening, right? It's not like you're placing a... You know, I can't even think of a, a ridiculous long shot bet. Like I don't know, like the, the Jets to win the Super Bowl with Zach Wilson. It's or not Leicester City. No odds long. No, but it's like I, I'm to, to, to make me want to jump on that. I'm I'm looking at like thirty five to one. So let's say let's say Ilya Mikheyev is not ready to go, right? So there's an open spot, and okay. we, we book Elias Patterson, Andre Kuzmenko. There's an open spot for night one mm-hmm. to play with those guys. How would you handicap candidates to be? In that spot. Beauvillier? Beauvillier, okay. Would be ahead of him. Sure, I'm not even saying just ahead of him, because there's obviously guys ahead sure. of him. Sure, I'm just but... like just stacking the winger list yeah. here. So Mikheyev, Beauvillier. But let's say Mikheyev's not in the conversation, right? No, that, and I'm, that creates okay, yeah. the spot. Beauvillier, like honestly, like... Besser. I was going to say Garland. But yeah, Besser. Yeah. Garland. Beauvillier, Besser, Garland. Um, Joshua got a game or two there, but I... I but like put Coles in. I'd rather see put Coles in there. Um, but who? Do, but who do you think has a better shot? I think Hoaglander has a better shot as like a temporary measure there of going there than Pod Colson. But if we're debating upside, like I'm more intrigued by Vasily Podkolzin's upside. And and by the way, like who's a more direct replacement for Mikheyev, Hoaglander, or, or, or yeah, Podkolzin. probably Colson. So like, there's that element to it. So I, I think there's probably, and then not to mention like Tanner Pearson's part of this conversation all of a sudden now. Something that's happened in the last two weeks is the Tanner Pearson's potential status has changed a lot of what we might see in this middle winger battle. So, like, is Tanner? That's Pearson, a good point. Is Tanner Pearson part of that conversation? So, like, and that's this is where my concern for Hoaglander comes. It's like there's a lot of bodies 
all of a sudden. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at like four guys already ahead of him, let alone Ilya Mikheyev. Ben texts in, is Niels Oman the forgotten man in constructing the bottom six? And, you know, earlier somebody had texted in, Who's the player that was a mainstay on the Canucks roster last year who you think really needs to have a good training camp to keep their spot? And Neil Zaman is the guy that jumped to mind for me, right? Because he truly was kind of unexpectedly a mainstay on the team, fourth-line center role, even playing up in the lineup a little bit because of injuries later in the year. But now you look at the additions of Teddy Bluger and Pew Suter, and it's really easy to see, or at least to imagine, how the Canucks' depth chart is going to look, the lineup is going to look like down the middle. And if Neil Zaman isn't playing that fourth-line center role with so many wingers in the mix, does he have a clear-cut role on in the bottom six to go, or could he be somebody who finds himself in Abbotsford? I think that's an interesting question because he acquitted himself pretty well mm-hmm. at the NHL level. You know, last year, coming over first pro season in North America, but the competition in his spot is uh, is is more difficult now. And how does he... How does he measure up to that? I think is going to be fascinating. So what are we calling regular? 60 games played, basically? Yeah. Uh, you know, sneakily? Like someone who I think is just going to be a, a, a victim of circumstance here? Like Sheldon Drys, too. Yeah. Not that I'm like, hey, you know, they got to work Sheldon Drys in the lineup. He did score 11 goals. Like, it shouldn't be forgotten that he, he played as... Sheldon Drys had 11 goals for the team. That's, like, the Sheldon Drys role... It exists in the NHL. It's not as if it was like, oh, the Canucks it's, they, they were just so decimated by injuries and that's how we got into the lineup. The role of offensively oriented call-up slash injury yeah. replacement, like that's a thing in the NHL, and he did it very well last year. Now, you hope that you have a little bit more depth and you don't, you're don't, you not racked by those injuries, so you don't have to use him. But, yeah, to your point, like he had a role. They asked him to do, and like, yeah, we're going to put you in offensive situations, you know, second power play time, mm-hmm. all that, and he acquitted himself really well. But as far as Ben's text, forgotten man, I, I don't necessarily look at it as he's forgotten. Um, it's just there's so many bodies, and this next text comes in. It's like the more you guys talk about Canucks forwards, the more I realize yeah. they have too many. There's too many bottom six guys. But Jack you know Stanika, like, we haven't talked about once. <laughs> competition is supposed to breed improvement. Like, that's part of this mm-hmm. thing here. And so here's, you know, Pew Suter, put Colson, Stanika, Oman. Uh, Bluger, Joshua. There's going to be a lot of competition. That's why we're talking like this group here of third to fourth line wingers. Now, some of them I think are, are third liners and they're going to get pushed to the the fourth line. Some I think are you know, fourth liners that are going to get pushed out of the lineup. And so there is a really interesting group of players. That even if you want to, if Nils Oman's your guy, it's just totally understandable for you to cape for Nils Oman because he acquitted himself very well in his debut season. But it's hard not to look at the lineup. It's like, where do you get him in in the lineup? Yeah. There's only 12 spots, only let 12 alone spots. Uh, you know, who's the 13th forward. And it probably doesn't serve Nils Oman well to be 13th forward. Like, I'd rather see Jack Stanika be the 13th forward than Nils Oman. Yeah, you'd rather him go to Abbott's Yeah, play. and so it, it's, it's not that he's forgotten. It's just I don't know where to find the spot for him. And just to the texture's point, you know, you look at Cap Friendly right now. They have 13 healthy forwards listed for the Canucks at the NHL level. Then you add in Ilya Mikheyev and Tanner Pearson. Plus, they still have Vasily Colson down at the AHL level because yeah. that's where he finished last year. So right there, that's 16 when healthy, like qualified, no doubt about it, NHL players. And that's 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 a lot. Like to the Texter's point, there's just, that's way more than there are spots available, even when you factor in carrying extra forwards. And... There's always difficult decisions for 
an NHL coaching staff at the end of training camp, right? But this year in particular for the Canucks, especially in that bottom six forward mix, like there's a lot of guys who are accustomed to playing in the NHL who could easily find themselves going to Abbotsford. Which I, I know that sounds harsh. Kind of a good outcome. Right? That's what you so, want. So long as it's someone outperforming you and you not regressing. But that's kind of, that's kind of what you want. And we haven't and we haven't really talked about that here in this city for a long time. It's yeah. Well, he's the best of what's available, and he's like by honestly, he's like some players won competitions by default. Yeah, and but this I, is the first camp I look at it and say, "Hey, we're we're gonna get defined spots for these guys." And I know like some guys have two way deals, like PDG. It's like it could go either way. But I also think it illustrates like normally at this time of year we're starting to have the conversation of like okay which players from Abbotsford could jump up and take a spot, and like I think we'd be talking about you know Aiden McDonough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Atu Ratu. It's nothing against those guys. It's just the number of people they would have to jump over to to earn a spot. Like, not saying it's impossible. You can always do it. You can always force somebody's hand. But the the depth chart is just so stacked above them. It's going to be really, really difficult for those types of players to do it. And while we're talking, let's go. It's a problem. It's a good problem for Rick Tockett and this staff to try to solve. Because, again, you know, there's a lot of bodies, and we can talk about how much are they actually going to contribute. Uh, remains to be seen. We'll get our first look at it October 11th. But... Yeah, we're not talking about like, hey, this guy is performing well in Young Stars. How are they going to make the jump yeah. in the main camp? And who's going to break with the with the full team? It's it's going to be tough for the forwards. It's going to be really, really tough for the forwards because they have dedicated a lot of resources to uh, finding these guys. All right. We are out of here. On the way, speaking of that Young Stars classic, it is coming up here in minutes. We'll go to Penticton with Brendan Batchelor, who will have the call for the next little while. And then uh, later on today... Uh, Canucks Central as well after uh, Canucks Talk. So it's uh, Canucks Talk into Canucks Games, into Canucks Central uh, throughout the course of the day. Is that so time it's of year? It's, it's day one of uh, Canucks season, basically. This is the unofficial kickoff. The unofficial puck drop, I should say, rather, to uh, Canucks season. Thanks for hanging around today. We've had a blast over uh, on location at Northview Golf and Country Club for the Jake Milford Charity Invitational. Things get real real soon here. Stick with us. For the Young Stars Classic here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.